You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Hawkeyes have officially won their sixth straight in Ames, Iowa, as the Hawkeyes defeated Iowa State 20-13 to in a game that Really didn't feel like it was that close once Iowa got that double-digit lead. Uh, but here to recap it, David Eichholt, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Interesting game, Sean. Uh, I think everybody expected it to be a low-scoring score affair. But Iowa had several players that really hadn't, I won't say were big impact players or have never been in big impact players, but guys step up, I mean, Start from Jazzy and Patterson, who I think is probably the story of the game. And we'll dive into it later. I'm still a lot more encouraged about this Iowa offense, especially compared to last year. But in general, I'm still seeing a lot more good than bad, especially moving forward. But I'll let you take the floor. What did you kind of see yesterday? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jazzy and Patterson. That was probably the most notable performance i mean sebastian castro was really good as well i think he had the highest grade on defense on pro football focus jay higgins had a pretty good day it was one of those games where you're like you never like while watching it you never really felt like iowa was going to lose that game at least you know maybe after that first possession there was probably some pessimism pessimism around watching that and but, like, throughout the course of the game, I mean, Iowa just did what it needed to do. And, I mean, it's never never pretty. But I think the way that they were able to come up with a couple of big plays, I mean, in football, obviously you got to be consistent. I think that's one of the things that has been the issue as of late with Iowa's run game is just consistency. They get some of these mm-hmm. big chunk plays, but – are struggling when it comes to consistent, you know, five, six and avoid five, six yards and annoy, avoiding the negative plays. So I think getting those chunk plays, it just makes it that much more important to get those types of plays. And on defense too, it's the same thing. I mean, they were putting together some good stops. The Iowa state offense made it tough once again, with those like quick hitter actions that Utah state did pretty effectively against Iowa last week. So you know, that that's something that needs to be fixed. I mean, Jazzy and Patterson, I he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I know yeah. that play, obviously, that run is going to receive a lot of love and his pass block where he took on like two uh two Iowa State edge rushers. That was crazy. Um so I mean Castro and Castro and Patterson get the game balls for me, and I'm I'm sure we'll talk about Cade a little bit later because, I mean, you look at the stat line and obviously it's not great, but, I mean, he made plays. He made throws when he needed to. There were a couple throws that I think he would want back and a couple of drops, but 
once again, I mean, there's just certain things that you can point out while watching him that we haven't really seen in Iowa quarterback heaven sometime. Yeah. And I think that's really encouraging because he, he hasn't had his best game yet. Like his best game will probably come later on in big 10 play or even in the postseason, depending on where, where Iowa kind of goes there. So, I mean, there's plenty to be encouraged about. I mean, if looking at McNamara's stat line, like I said, didn't have the best game, but if you can win somewhat comfortably with him only throwing 123 yards, you feel good about it. The run game, wish that could have been a little bit better. But I think all in all, you weren't expecting to put up 400, 500 total yards of offense. That wasn't going to happen if you're Iowa. Yeah, but, and, and with, with, with Jazz Patterson too, Sean, I want to mention this. He runs so recklessly, but so efficient. Like he does mm-hmm. not – he has great patience, but he hits the hole as hard as I've seen Iowa running back hit. I'm I'm trying to think. I, I just go back a little ways because there's only one speed he seems to go, and that's 100 miles an hour. He falls forward. He's not afraid of contact. The vision's there. He protects the football. I was very impressed, and you mentioned that that pass block. That was a heck of a play. He said he knew – when he made that first initial hit on that first guy, he angled his body a certain way so he could take out the second guy. And he was like really getting technical and talking about it. And that showed me a lot. I mean, for a redshirt freshman guy to, to have that sort of IQ, it's impressive. And the other thing is, remember every time we talked about Caleb Johnson last season, Kirk always mentioned Jazzy and Patterson always. And I, I didn't want to say I, I, the way I thought about it was he was trying to just not, I guess, protect Caleb Johnson a little bit just so all the attention wasn't on him. But I think there was more credence to what he was trying to do. He was trying to create that kind of background buzz about Jazzy and Patterson. And we saw yesterday that finally came into fruition. Another guy on defense, Cooper DeGene was awesome. I know he didn't have the mm-hmm. pick sixes, but in the run game especially, he was coming up making big plays. Iowa State, I thought, had a good game plan. You mentioned the quick hits. That's exactly what they needed to do. And right now, Iowa State just doesn't have the skill position talent at all. I mean, don't let Rocco Beck's stat line fool you either. There were a lot of Iowa State drops that he he was not at fault for. The pick six was obviously bad, but I thought he showed a lot of moxie sitting in the pocket and taking some big hits, especially from Joe Evans. But you mentioned it. This game really never felt like Iowa was going to lose. And the way I go back to it, after Iowa blocked, Logan Lee blocked the field goal in the first possession, I knew Iowa State wasn't winning the game. Very similarly, I had I had the feeling when it came to Iowa-Michigan, the 2021 Big Ten title game, remember Iowa drove down the field with ease and missed the field goal. And I looked over at you and I said, Iowa's not winning this game. Like I knew right then it was over. So it's kind of just flipped for me. But LeVar Woods, man, we we called it. We knew he was in for a big bounce back week for the special teams. I thought they delivered at a very high level. Um, But, yeah, I mean, again, I think Iowa controlled the tempo, the pace, the confidence. They never really felt like it was in doubt, even when Iowa State had the ball in the last, what, minute and a half, two minutes? Yeah, I mean, maybe – I think it got a little uncomfortable there just because you have some flashbacks to previous times where this has happened in the Kirk Ferentz era where they've kind of refused to 
you know, slam the door shut and make it a pretty comfortable win. But I mean, the only thing on special teams that I can really nitpick about is the Caden Wedge and kick return where he probably yeah. should have just kept it in the end zone and kind of touch back. But I mean, he's, I think that was his first time returning kicks in the game and he's the type of kid who's going to be pretty reckless and uh, anxious to make something happen. So that's the only thing I'd really nitpick as far as the, uh, as far as the special teams goes and looking at pro football focus this morning, I was really intrigued to see Iowa's offensive line. They only played six offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. So Nick DeYoung and Rusty Feth, I think DeYoung had 37 snaps at uh, left guard while Rusty Feth had 15. Feth had a really good day in pass protection and DeYoung was pretty good in pass blocking, but, you know, they both struggled in. In run blocking, which, I mean, based on the yardages, you could tell that was the case. But I thought that was really interesting to see that Iowa went with that with that six-man rotation. Yeah. Um, last week, I believe Tyler Ellis – I mean, I know it was a different game and it was a non-Power 5 opponent, but I remember they threw Ellsbury in there. And then who else? Who else would they throw in there at one of the uh, – one of the other spots because Bo Stevens was out. Who am I missing? Yeah, they they had Colby, they had Feth, they had Ellsbury. They didn't throw Dijon Parker. They threw him at tackle. That's right, but only for a few snaps. That's right. I was missing uh I was missing Parker in that mix. So yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. I imagine that they'll go probably to seven when Stevens comes back, but. Hey, I mean, I don't know. Was Ellsbury in uniform yesterday? I didn't. I didn't see him on the sidelines. I did not see. I can't confirm that. I. I don't know. Okay. Um, so maybe, maybe it was just they didn't feel like they needed to go, or maybe they just didn't have the depth that they would want. Because usually they try to run with seven guys. But I thought that six that six man rotation worked out pretty well. I thought Feth had a pretty good day outside of those run blocking numbers. Um, they need to find so a way to just... somebody to solidify the left guard spot. I think that's where they're really worried about right now. I think everywhere else, I think Iowa can manage, but I do think there's a lot of worry about the left guard spot and just someone being able to hold it down consistently. But you mentioned it. I mean, all week we kind of talked about was Iowa's offensive line going to progress to the mean or regress to the mean. And I do think that they made some big steps forward and, I'll go back to Jazz Patterson's pass block for a second on that same play. Something that Spencer Petras cannot really do at times when he was under pressure is keep his footwork right. Cade's footwork after Jazz blocked that guy to deliver the ball downfield was 100% correct. It was A-plus footwork, and that's what I've kind of said. You don't need a guy to be mobile. You need to be able to maneuver a pocket and keep disciplined, and that's what Cade brings to the table. Let's quickly switch to Cade because I still think he's he's the big story. He was happy that Iowa won. He was thrilled, but he was not happy with himself post game. I, I was in that press conference, and Cade just said he has to go buy Deontay dinner, uh, Deontay Vines dinner for missing him on that go route because that's what a ninety-one yard touchdown if Cade just puts it on the money. Now. Cade's arm got hit. I didn't see it initially, but Cade still said he probably should have been able to put it on the money. The interception, let's call it what it was, Sean. That was just assault that the official missed. And don't take my word for it. 
JJ Watt even tweet about how bad it was, and he's a lifelong Badger, and he has no love for Iowa. Like the consensus, even in the media room amongst Iowa and Iowa State, was that was ridiculous. It should have been thrown. But anyway, it led to a Sebastian Castro pick six. No harm, no foul. Cade didn't care because Castro ended up scoring anyway. But yesterday was the first time in these two games, Sean, where I felt you could really see the value of those two weeks that Cade missed in spring in, in fall camp because I thought the receivers were getting open. And that's something that, again, we didn't see last year. So I think there's good signs of progress there. But the timing was just a little bit off, whether his arm got hit, whether he put a little bit too much on it. He hit his deep passes last week, so maybe it's just maybe it's the consistency thing. But as far as the timing and the chemistry and everything, this was the first time we we saw how valuable those fall camp reps are. I think Cade's going to continue to get better as the season goes along. I think Iowa's going to go very aggressive through the air this weekend against Western Michigan to really kind of perfect those timings. Uh, but Cade did not have a great game, but I also think people are overblowing it based on the stat line. He still did a lot of good things, but there were absolutely missed opportunities there. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, shoot, I was going to say, I was going to follow up with something. I mean, in terms of Cade too, like, Iowa State's defense does a really good job of taking you out of your comfort zone and putting you in different situations that maybe you're not used to in Big Ten play or maybe you're not used to going up against Iowa's defense every day um, in practice because that three three five stack is is a very unique look. It's a very different look. And like you said, I mean, Iowa, McNamara had opportunities to make plays downfield. Just didn't work out consistently. But – that's kind of what Iowa State's defense does a really good job of eliminating is those big chunk plays through the air. So I'm not too worried about it in terms of that chemistry or that growth. I think the tight ends are going to be are going to be there. But I mean, I think a lot of people will, would want to see Caleb Brown get a catch. Uh, Deontay Vines had more than one or two targets in a game. Um, I think the receivers were only targeted nine times if i'm not mistaken it was either nine receptions or uh i think they were were targeted targeted nine or ten because caleb brown is not officially on the statue but he was targeted twice one of which i believe would have been a touchdown had not been bad out the line yeah it was uh he was definitely definitely there he only played nine snaps too which i thought was was interesting but i mean like i've said so many times before iowa likes to have both lachey and all on the field, like at the same time, like that's a very, very dynamic um, situation or very dynamic personnel that you can use with those two guys. So, I mean, I get it, but mm. in terms of you would definitely like to see more on the perimeter because Big Ten teams are going to stack the box. And I mean, you feel more comfortable about the passing game, I think, now with, with McMara, but I think in terms of, you know, Big Ten play, you got to find something on the perimeter. You got to find some sort of consistency with wide receivers and working working all that out with each other. Yeah, and I think people were worried about that, especially going into the second half. But then Cade, it just seemed like almost Cade almost heard the noise because he targeted Seth Anderson, who had that great fingertip catch. Targeted Deontay. He targeted just kind of got the perimeter going. And 
That's what we've said all along outside the offensive line, Sean, it's the wide receivers. That's really going to open up the run game and open up the offense. And, you know, not to deter away from the wide receivers. I think they are going to continue to be a factor again. I think they're going to be a primary part of this week's game plan to really just sort of boost the confidence of that room and continue to get that sort of chemistry going. People got to enjoy Luke Lachey, man. Like he, he is really starting to emerge. We kind of figured he'd have a big year. But the amount of times Cade targets him, like Luke Lachey is Cade's security blanket at this point. Luke Lachey is going to put up some crazy numbers, I think. I think in, uh, let me double check here. I believe he had eight targets, seven targets yesterday, three catches, 58 yards. And also you can undersell his blocking. His blocking was phenomenal yesterday. I believe he was solely responsible, not solely responsible, but he played a big part in Jazz Patterson's touchdown run took out guy right on the side and that's where jazz hit the hole at. So Luke Lachey, I think is poised for a big year as well. But again, I'll just go back to this. I'm I'm so much more encouraged and discouraged as a total football team at this point than I was watching Iowa last year. Obviously the offense was a storyline last year. The defense right now is not as good. And I think it was kind of crazy that people thought it could be as good just given everything Iowa's lost. This still looks like a top 10 unit. And if you trade a top 10 unit and you have a top 85 offense as opposed to 130th offense and first defense, I think you're going to take that trade. I'd still like to see Xavier Wampa continue to get a little bit more involved. He he did a couple little things yesterday, but he was, I don't want to say a non-factor, Sean, but he just really didn't do anything that lit up the stat sheet. Deshaun Lee, Jamari Harris, I think it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow because I think Deshaun Lee, he's not going to give up that starting spot lightly. And I think he's played really well and he needs to continue to be a factor. The defensive line, I think, is frustrated because they haven't had a lot of opportunities to get the opposing quarterback. But you got to credit Iowa State and Utah State for coming up with a game plan to at least somewhat neutralize this deep Iowa defensive line room that we thought they might have. So. I think just as a whole, I feel a lot better about where Iowa's at. And I think I know people want to see that overnight improvement, but I also see a lot of things that Iowa is doing to try new things. I mean, you look at the counters yesterday. Iowa loves that zone running scheme, but I also think they're limited because of Cade's mobility right now. But because they're limited due to Cade's mobility, they're forced to kind of Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com you know, inject new life into the offense as far as schematics, as far as type of plays, like they're trying different things. And I know it sounds like such a light thing, but based on the Iowa offense, we've seen the past couple of years, at least they're trying to do something to give that room a boost. Yeah. And this group's going to get more comfortable too, as K gets healthier and they just more games are played and there's more game-like settings. I mean, it's hard to believe that Iowa only had 52 plays Last yesterday on offense, but Iowa State only had time of possession. Iowa State had like 76 plays, and time of possession was like six or seven minutes 
in favor of Iowa State. Like, I know they were playing, you know, hurry. I mean, it didn't really seem to be too urgent when they were driving down the field on that on one, on that drive towards the so end of the game weird. where, yeah, where they took all that, all that time off the clock, but it's just fascinating to me. Like it was a 75 to 51 advantage in the play column and Iowa state only had seven minutes, uh, in advantage of, uh, on time of possession. So that, that was, that was just something unique to me, but yeah, I mean, this, this group's going to get more comfortable with each other. I mean, people have said it like, with Cade, you just got to be patient when it comes to him health-wise because that that injury is no, you know, small feat. Like, obviously, it's, he can play on it. Like, that's all good and dandy, but change of direction, impact. Like, you know, you fall funny on it like that. You could aggravate it that much more. Like, it doesn't really go away. So that obviously, you know, is, is, playing, in, is playing a factor and seems – more comfortable out there, but you would like to see more. But you just like at this point, you just got to be okay. Like Cade's health is a big is a big deal. They're kind of limiting him in terms of what he can do in that way. Um, so I mean, I think we'll really get to see what this team is against Penn State. I mean, this would be a great, a great, you know, next week would be a great omen to, you know, kind of just blow the doors off of Western Michigan and go up 30 to nothing at halftime or something like that. I think a lot of people would be happy with that. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll see that. Maybe we'll see Iowa open up more, or kind of get those guys more involved on the perimeter. But in terms of potential, I don't think we'll really know about this team or see that until, or at least on the offense side of the ball, I don't think we'll see that till Big Ten player, at least K is 100 or close to 100%. Yeah, and I think something that I'm looking for this week, Sean, first of all, last two weeks, first two drives has resulted in 24 points. But then you look at the second, third quarters, they're just mediocre offensively. You need to see sustaining drives. You need to see sustained drives. And I think that's something that I'm going to be looking for this week. Because after Iowa's first two drives yesterday, that following four drives, Sean, they told nine yards. Two of two of the drives result in negative yardage. That's a lot of pressure on the defense. And you talk about time of possession. You talk about controlling the game. Yes, Iowa State had ran a lot more plays. Again, Iowa still felt like it controlled the game, but that wasn't necessarily all due to the offense. The defense and special teams played a huge factor in that. So I think Iowa needs to show that they can have multiple eight, nine play drives, turn off four or five minutes, go in there and score while still experimenting with, you know, 30, 40 yard chunk plays through the air. Something interesting also, uh, I got to give a shout out to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN for helping me stat check this. So Iowa had above a 30, 35 or longer rush and a 35 yardage or more pass yesterday. That's the first time since November 7th, 2022, that they did that. So it went through five games without having a 35-yard run and a pass in the same game, which is not exactly a common thing in, in college football. Uh, but, again, I think there's a, there's signs of improvement being there. I'm still wary about this team, but you also look around the, the rest of the Big Ten West right now, Sean, and I stand by it, man. Iowa's got to win it. They, they got to win it. Wisconsin still has a long way to go. I, with all due respect to Wazoo, I think that was a huge win for them the other night. But the Big Ten West is not good. 
And I think Iowa's a good team, not a great team. I think they have potential to be a really good team. And I think they know it too. And I'm very curious. We're not going to learn anything this week. We're not. We're just going to see if they can kind of get their in-game reps in and go down the field. Uh, But I stand by kind of my opinion about the first couple weeks. I think this team on paper has more talent. I think they've shown signs of growth. But how quickly can they grow up before Penn State? before these big – before Wisconsin, before all these games. Because the opportunity is right there on the table for them to really control their own destiny, uh, even if they ended up losing to Penn State. I mean, this there's there's a huge opportunity for Kirk Ferentz this year. I mean, is the Big Ten West going to be more – I know you mentioned, obviously, Iowa, um, that you think they'll win the Big Ten West. But is the Big Ten West going to be more open this year than it was last year? Like in terms of like, like who I, do you who do you think is your big who do you think is your what is your Big Ten West order behind Iowa right now? I still probably put Wisconsin two, Minnesota third. I don't know if I want to put Illinois in there. Nebraska just above Northwestern, Purdue fifth, Illinois fourth. Yeah, I, I mean, hear you. It's just there's not good teams right now in the Big Ten West, and I think that's why Iowa fans are also so nervous because they feel like they have a good team. Yeah, and they're not used to being the, the top dog. They're not used to being the. It's just like the last couple of years, just always been Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin every year, even this year. But I mean, that's a tough place to play, Wazoo. Um, especially in conference or non-conference play when you're kind of just still figuring everything out in terms of your new system. So, I mean, it's it's not a bad loss by any means, but I just think they're – I mean, Iowa still has question marks, obviously, but Illinois needs to figure out its defense without Ryan Walters there. Yeah. Um, yep. Minnesota is still, you know, figuring things out. Uh, Nebraska, I mean, Colorado's a good team, but they just got absolutely manhandled. It kind of just looked like same old Nebraska. I'll we'll um, see what happens so, I mean, with the, Jeff Sims too, and they just don't have any skill yeah. position players. That as well, yeah. I mean, no, no offense to Alex Bullock, but or Alex Bullock, when you have a, well, he's a talented player, but I feel like when you have a walk on, uh, wide receiver there, when you've talked about all off season about building up your roster again through the portal, and you have a walk on wide receiver as your starting slot receiver, that's. Yeah, that could be a little bit of a cause for concern. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think Iowa, like we said, like we've been saying, I think it's the Big Ten West is theirs to lose. But I still do think, like I said, I don't, I think they have the least questions of everyone else in the Big Ten West outside of you know, what is K Mac? What does this Iowa offense look like when K McMara is fully yeah. healthy? I think that's the biggest question that still remains, and if that offensive line can, you know, get some push with the run game too. Plenty to talk about this week, even though I was hosting Western Michigan, we will have all that and more on HawkeyeInsider.com. David Eichel, Sean Bach, follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBach247 and at Hawkeyes on 247. And we will be back in a couple days to break down Kirk Ferentz's press conference, Western Michigan and more. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.